Lord, we come before you tonight and we just desire to see even deeper still into the beauty of your holiness, the depth of your holiness and your beauty, the awesomeness that surrounds your throne. Lord, we praise you for this spirit that is here tonight. Thank you for these priests of the Lord as we've come together to with a desire just to enter into the holiest of holies. We have been washed and redeemed with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we join in with the angels. Yes, we do. We cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You're perfect. There is no flaws, no weaknesses, no defilement. I thank you for transforming us with that spirit of holiness. That the enemy cannot stand before that which has been purged and cleaned by the blood of the Lamb, Christ Jesus. We worship you and we glorify you. We thank you for the covering of the blood and of holiness. We thank you, Father, right now for your blessing upon everyone who's here. Lord, we pray for their health. We pray your anointing upon their physical bodies, their, their mental and emotional strains. Father, I just praise you even for a spirit of peace and comfort that is able to conquer and defeat any stress, discouragement, and pressure that is trying to pull them down in despair. You are the light that shines in the darkest hour. I just praise you for your freedom, for this cause you came to set men free. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. Lord, I lift up to you right now, Chamber, Sister Chambers, who had automobile, a friend of Jessica. We just ask you to touch her. They say they're not expecting her to live. But Father, we pray a miracle. We ask you to touch her body, every bone, every part of her being. We ask you to touch her soul, encourage her. We just say, touching her and making her whole in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for those who are here who are standing on your word, that they are the healed of the Lord. And we agree, and we just want to thank you with thanksgiving that there is no evil reports among us. There is no sickness or disease in anyone's body or organs. Thank you for complete and total healing, 365 days of the year. Nothing can be clogged. Nothing can be broken. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Turn to somebody next to you. Would you shake their hands, hug their necks? Just tell them I love you in the love of the Lord. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, welcome tonight. Praise God. It's good to see you. Glad you're here. We just bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for coming to desire to hear the word. And as we gather together, quick announcements. The Christians, couples, and young at heart will be meeting, meeting at the Piccadilly this Friday at 630. Uh, you can see Sister Kathy about details or Sister Carolyn uh, Williams. Uh, we're going to be meeting and uh, just sending off the uh, lynches with our love as they get ready to go. And then uh, the, the uh, L3 Singles Ministry will be meeting at Beefo Brady's October 10th at 530. You can see Sister Cindy 
about that, and uh, they'll be meeting over there, having a good time. And then the uh, Royal Rangers are going to camp out the 9th through the 11th. You can see Sister, not Sister, Commander Guy Ellis. You can see his wife, and she'll tell you where her husband is. He's all man. And you can see Commander Ellis about uh, the boys going on their powwows. Hallelujah. If you have the Bibles, your Bibles, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to share something with you. It's, I just want to encourage you with this, but it also goes along, I believe, with the message and the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit has already prepared for us here as we get into the Word tonight. There, there's a special atmosphere tonight because there's going to be a special impartation. How many of you can sense it and feel it? And I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to do something with His Word and with His Holy Spirit in your life, in your life, every one of us. And it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, uh, did I say 2 Thessalonians? First, I'm correct. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. And I want to give you a few word definitions here. It says, but as we were allowed by God, if, if you're taking notes or you're writing your Bible, just something very interesting there, that word as we have been tested or allowed by God, that word means to be tested as the silver was tested in those days. And the silver was tested three times by fire. And the last time, it was the hottest that they could get it to make sure that there was no trash left in the silver to make the, the most treasured coins. And this is what Paul is saying. God is allowing you and I to be tested and purified because how many of you know, and we preach this all the time, but we don't get the emphasis Paul's making here. Listen to this. How many of you know the word is undefiled? The word of God is perfect and pure and tried. How many of you know the, the word says that there's not even a comma or a period that can be taken out of the word of God? And cursed is anyone who takes anything out of the word of God. How many of you know the word has been tried and found true? Well, this is what Paul is saying. God is wanting to make us as tried, purified, and true as the word we preach. We don't only want to announce the pure word of God. We want to be the representation, the manifestation of the pure word of God. And just as the word of God has been tr tried, and the word of God says God is not a man that he should lie, and the word of God, you can believe the promises of God. They are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Well, there is such a work. That's why the Bible talks about you and I being transformed in the image of Christ Jesus from glory to glory. Because we're transformed by beholding the word, beholding the, the glory. And that word there speaks about such a purity, such a holiness. And it means to pass the test of any and to be view, viewed as sincere and genuine uh, and it says in the message translation, I love this. Listen to what it says in the message. God tested, tested us thoroughly to make sure we were qualified to be trusted with this message. Be assured that when we speak to you, we're not after crowd approval, only God approval. Since we've been put through the battery of test, you're guaranteed that both we and the message say that both we and the message are free of error, mixed motives, or hidden agendas. 
We never used words to butter you up. No one never knows the better than you that God knows we never used words as a smokescreen to take advantage of you. That is powerful, church. Just as we put the emphasis on this word is so true. Do you realize God is wanting to raise us up unto him, a, a, a royal priesthood that is as sure and righteous as standing as his word? The word really to become flesh wherever we go, walking, manifestation of the word of God. And Paul is speaking here that there is such a responsibility that it's not just our message that is pure, but also the messenger, the singer, the musician, the Sunday school teacher, the usher, the greeter, the youth worker. That is not just volunteers and workers, but we have gone, and you may be going through tests right now, because God wants to make you and I genuine as his word is, so that we and his word can be one. And Paul says, what I count lost is for his gain. And when we listen to this type of scripture, we get this type of revelation, it's like, whatever it takes for me to be transformed into the image of your word, and to be worthy to be called your messenger as this holy Bible is worthy to be called your holy word. Then, Lord, whatever you have to take out of me, whatever test I have to go through, whatever I have to sacrifice or give up, that there be no smoke screen, no hidden agendas, no mask, no error, no mixed motives between giving the word of God. And that's why I believe judgment starts in the house of God. I believe that God is bringing America to a place where God is cleaning his church and he's making himself ready a bride without spot and wrinkle. And that the bride is going to be glorious as his word because we are dressed with his word. And so, Father, we come before you, a Holy Spirit, a spirit of truth. We desire all of the truth to come within our lives and whatever may be hidden, whatever may be left over from our past life, that is now dead, whatever rights the past try to hold over us, whatever dictates the past try to hold over us, we remind ourselves through the blood in the name of Christ that we are free, that we are bought, and we belong to our master. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells within us to rule and reign in us that we may rule and reign in this life. And we are gathered tonight because we desire that your word go to work inside of us, into our hearts, our lives, that we be transformed from glory to glory, that we continue to grow in, in every level and every part of your word to be more like Christ, to have that more intimate relationship with you, Father, because we love your word, we keep your word, and we're doers of the word. We thank you and we praise you for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. With us, just come forward. We're going to receive tonight's offerings and tithe. Hallelujah. God bless you as you give. We thank you for being here. And may the Holy Spirit just really minister to you. God bless. I can count a million times People asking me how I can praise you With all that I Circumstances possibly 
holy and he's mighty oh hallelujah you know I was thinking brother Mike that uh, for years you hear people say that whatever you hear the pastor speaking on he's preaching on he's usually preaching on what he's going through 
But when I, you know, like they'll say some preacher's preaching on this problem, it's probably because he's got that problem. You heard that, Brother Benny, you probably heard that too. Kind of a little quote that would stamp on preachers that, well, he's preaching on that. He's probably got a problem in that area. But after I read to you, I was sitting there thinking about what I read from the Apostle Paul. Was that we're not, he's raising up ministers that are not preaching out of their weaknesses. He's raising up ministers who are preaching out of their strengths. Because I'm not preaching, we are not preaching a gospel of what we are weak in. We're preaching a gospel of what we are strong in. We're not preaching something that I need help in. I'm preaching something that I have gone through the fire and been proven in. So that, I think, isn't that good? Hallelujah. And I believe that's what God is doing in the body of Christ. And I believe that's what God's doing in the ministry. Because even yesterday, uh, a minister came out on the internet confessing, you know, that he's really a woman, but he had a sex change, and now he's a man. Y'all might have read that. And he confessed it to his whole congregation, and they respect him and love it for him. Well, good for him. But I believe that God is raising up people. For one, I believe he's raising up men to be men and women to be women. Amen, Amen Brother George. <laughs> we ain't confused about that, are we? Hallelujah. But I want to just share some things with you tonight. I want to start off. Uh, I read this with you last week, and I just love this because it goes into the heart of Paul. Boy, Paul was Paul's such a man of God. I like to see. I want. I can't wait to see his mansion. Man. But he had the heart of Jesus, and it says in Matthew twenty twenty eight, even as even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And to give his life for many. The message translation, he, it says, he came to set free the hostages. And you and I were held hostage. And we're going to be speaking about hostage situations tonight as we get into Paul's letter. As you know, we're studying the book of Romans. And, I, and there's some things here that I believe that is going to bless you and encourage you and strengthen us and get us to where we need to go. So open the word to Romans chapter 1. And you're going to see that Paul had a heart of Christ, and we're gaining that heart. I believe it's getting stronger in this body and in the body of Christ around the United States and America about how he is raising us up to be able-bodied ministers. And we want to greet everybody by Internet. And we got the, just the most awesome um, uh, email yesterday from um, a pastor, a native pastor from India. And he said that he was going over websites. He found our website, and he's been listening to our messages and he was saying how it's just been feeding him. He's, he wrote some special notes and he says, uh, please do not change anything about your message. That's the type of message we need. And he just wrote a two-page email. And, and if he's listening, we bless you and we love you and thank you for that letter. And uh, it's amazing what the Internet's doing, how many people are, are listening by Internet. But also I want you to be praying. We've got some people coming in to be checking out different stuff and uh, I was, many of you probably were here when I got a word that we'll be going on TV, and they even rebuked me for a spirit of fear for getting on TV. And the thing about the spirit of fear about getting on TV is not so fearful being on TV. It's just not wanting to be a regular TV evangelist. But how many of you know that I have a special tongue that buffets me to keep me from being exalted above measure? And that I know once I'm on TV, I will be getting emails to tell me my mistakes, just like you tell me my mistakes. And the whole idea is not to get on TV, to be another TV ministry, but for people to get touched. 
people to get help, that people get ministered to. And we've been knowing we're going to be getting on local TV as well as we've been on the Internet now. But, but it's exciting. I shared with you the scripture the Lord gave me that when the two spies got into the house of Rahab the harlot, uh, believers can't get in. A believer should not be going into a house of a prostitute. But through TV, we can. Through TV, we can get in the crack houses and we get in the hospitals. Where we can't go naturally, we can go through the message of the glorious gospel. And that's what it's all about. So we're going to be seeing some Rahabs and Rahabolos saved to get in here and, and to get in the body of Christ and fall at the feet of Jesus. Amen. And so Romans chapter 1 verse 8, Paul starts in this verse here. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established that is, that I may come and encourage together with you by the mutual faith, both you and me. And you know, if we would just go word by word, it would take us forever. So I'm just going to go through some key points here tonight. And the first one I want you to see here in this first verse, he says, First of all, I greet you that your faith is spoken of through the whole world. Now, if you're taking notes, every one of you are called by God and everyone can be anointed, first of all, to be an encourager. Write that down, an encourager. You know, there will always be people who look for problems, always people who look for faults. How many know there will always be people who criticize? But blessed are the ones who are always going around to look for something to uh, brag or to, to make someone feel good about, compliment. Paul starts his letter off, and he, he, he's, this is what they teach even in natural leadership. If you want to confront somebody, just don't go blast them. Start off by complimenting what they're doing good. You know, you're doing such a good job, and I appreciate your hard work and all that. And they let the defenses down. And then it's not that you blast them, but it's let the defenses down to where, but we've got to speak about this area that's not working. A lot of times people just go in and blast them and never compliment them. And then you've got a spirit of rebellion starting to rise there. But Paul had the maturity enough to say, you know what? I'm really not out looking for faults. I'm not writing a letter to try to find areas to criticize. I want to be a mature believer. And wherever I go, I want to tell you, people are speaking about your faith everywhere I go. And there'll always be those who may try to find something wrong with you or wrong with other people. But how many of you, we don't want to be of those type of people. Amen. He says, everything that is praiseworthy and of honor, everything that lifts up, everything that builds up, think and speak these type of things. And so we want to be of the mature part of the body of Christ that everywhere we go, when we get into meetings or we get with one another or we get into the little groups that we do and stuff like that, we want to make sure that we're people that compliment and, and look for the good and, and, and not look for the bad. And there's this writer uh, I, I read about. His name is, uh, let's see, where do I have his name at? Have his name somewhere. Thomas Hardy, uh, he, he, he was melancholy, and everywhere he went, he'd all, they say that when he would walk into a field, he wouldn't see the flowers or the trees. He would always see the uh, manure pile. He'd talk about, you know, look how they stack the manure up over there. He's always looking for, you know what, 
and he never could see the trees and the flowers because he was so busy looking for that type of stuff. Well, how many of you know, I'm, put, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting in a language that we can all understand here. How many of you know we don't want to gra- go around looking for manure? We want to look for the trees and we want to see uh, all, all the pretty things that God has made. Amen. So uh, we want to see people at their best. This is a, a, a thing here I got for you. It says, I want to see their best. No one can ever even begin to save men and women without first believing in them. We are all hell-deserving sinners. But we also have a dominant strength and courage within our souls. And often a word of praise will awaken the sleeping hero. A word of praise will awaken the sleeping hero. When criticism and condemnation will only produce resentment and despair. Well, that's powerful, isn't it? The waking the sleeping hero. You see your kids when you start bragging on them and you say, wow, look, man, you've grown a pair of abs. Not grown a pair of abs, but, you know, you're building a pair of abs, you know, because my boys, I got three teenage boys and they're all picking up their shirt and everything and, and everything and mama's telling me put mine down and they're raising theirs up. But, uh, you, know, when, when, <laughs> you know, when you talk, you start bragging, you see them throw their shoulders back. But you've seen in believers too. Wow, you, look, you're doing so good. I can just see by your face you're growing. I can tell by your disposition. I can just hear in your conversation that you're growing. I can tell you've been in the Word. And you just start telling people about how wonderful and how awesome they are and encouraging them. There's things inside of people that awaken and come alive. And it drives each other to want to even do better. Amen. So that's that's what Paul is talking about here. You know, pull the defenses down. Don't just I'm not writing this letter to blast you. I want to tell you, I'm hearing about you. I've never seen you in person, but this is what I'm hearing about you. And that's why we encourage them. Also, Paul says, I never cease to pray for you. And uh, he was constantly praying. And, and, and I want you to write down the, the duty of prayer. And I want to read this for uh, this prayer written by a man many, many years ago. Listen to what he says here. The effect of prayer is union with God. So many Christians, not you, but so many Christians say, I feel so far from God. Well, then there's something wrong with your union. And it's usually the number one reason you're not communicating enough with the Master. Prayer is what strengthens the union. Just like communication and love strengthens a marriage, prayer strengthens a union with God. And it goes on to say, and if someone is with God, he is separated from the enemy. Prayer strengthens my union with God, and prayer separates me from the enemy. Isn't that what Jesus said? Pray that you enter not into temptation. How do you not give no place to the devil? You live a life of prayer. Prayer separates me from the enemy. When I'm in union with God, when I'm speaking with God, when I'm opening my heart with God and God is opening his heart with me, he is covering me and I'm being separate. I'm his precious treasure. And in that union and in that communion with God, he he is keeping me from from the enemy under his wings. Do I trust? Psalms 91 verse 2 and 3. And so this man is speaking this and and I'm saying different things, but I'm adding to it. But he says, 
The effect of prayer is union with God. And if someone is with God, he is separated from the enemy. Through prayer, we guard our chastity, control our temper, and rid ourselves of vanity. Listen to this. Listen, church. Prayer makes us forget our injuries. Boy, this is a message all in its own. This is a message for church, any church. People still remembering what happened last week and a month and three and four and ten years ago. Prayer not only keeps you sheltered from the enemy, and, and, and prayer also, that communion with God, it also allows you to live a life to where you're not being bound by the hurts and the injuries of yesterday. Do you remember when so-and-so said that? No, praise God, I don't remember. I have no, that has no effect on me. Prayer heals me of the injuries. It, ma it makes us forget the injuries, overcomes envy, defeats injustice, and makes amends for sin. Through prayer, we obtain physical well-being, a happy home, and a strong, well-ordered society. Prayer is the seal. Listen to this. Prayer is the seal of our virginity and a pledge of faithfulness in marriage. How many know virginity is very important if you want to wear a white gown? And in the body of Christ, prayer keeps us that pure bride for Christ. It shields the wayfarer, protects the sleeper, and gives courage to those who keep vigil. It will refresh you when you're weary and comfort you when you're sorrowful. Prayer is the delight of the joyful as well as the solace of the afflicted. Prayer is intimacy with God and contemplation of the invisible. Prayer is the enjoyment of things present and the substance of things to come. Boy, is that a powerful definition on prayer or what? Was that good? Then where were you last night at intercession? <laughs> That's what prayer is. Did you pray today? Remember MC Hammer? You got to pray just to make it today. I mean, you know, you got to remember that famous quote, you know, if you're from the 80s, which is Z Cavaricis, remember? You got to pray just to make it today. But the importance of prayer. I want to show you a few scriptures. Mark yourself in Romans, but look with me in Psalms chapter 5. Because if we're going to have the heart of God and all these benefits of prayer, Prophet Samuel says, it's a sin if I do not pray. But Psalms chapter 5, I want to read some scriptures to you. Uh, just a few scriptures before we go on here. And it says in, Pro in Psalms chapter 5, verse 1, listen to David, listen to his heart here. Give ear to my words, O Lord. How many know that's prayer? Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you. And I will look up. Do you know the church is not a people to be looking down and dreading tomorrow? We read a while ago that prayer not only establishes the past but it, and, and establishes us in the faith, but it keeps us looking to what's coming in the future. And David is saying in the morning, I'll look up. I want to look up 
my king and my God, and I'm going to direct my prayer to you, and you will hear my voice. Look at me in chapter 55 of Psalms. Psalms 55. And these will give you some meditations to meditate on. Psalms 55, verse 16. Listen to this. Psalms 55, 16. And I love how David starts this off. As for me. I don't know about everybody else in Jerusalem. And I don't know about everybody else in Israel. And I don't know about everybody else around the world. But I know one thing. I will be on my watch. And as far as me. I love how David says this. As far as me. As far as me. Say that with me. As far as me. I don't know about everybody else about this, about what's going on here and there, but as far as me, I will call upon God. And the Lord shall save me. Verse 17 says, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray. Somebody shout out, I will pray. And cry aloud. Aloud. He shall hear my voice. The shepherd knows my voice. And it says in verse 18, he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle. That was against me. Ooh, listen. Prayer guards you from the enemy. Guard, prayer guards you from the attack of the enemy. And he says, he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. Now look at Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 147. Chapter 119, verse 147. Well, this is good, huh? Psalms 119, 147. Verse 147, it's in there. Chapter 119. Listen how David says, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I love this. I hope in your word. Verse 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches. How many know sometimes things you're going through keeps you up at night? My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, O Lord, and receive me according to your justice. How many know you can tell that David was a man of prayer also? Amen. Now look at Luke, two, Luke chapter 2, and let's, let's read about a lady here, ladies. How many of y'all want to read about a lady who prayed? Nah, yeah, let's read it about the Luke 2.36. Listen to this. I want to meet this lady. Always want to meet her. Luke 2.36. Of course, you know, I'll meet her in heaven. Luke 2.36. Now, there was one, Anna, a prophetess. One. Can you imagine if there would have been more that had been like Anna? They would have, she would have been able to see Jesus and his dedication. There was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of him, Fennel, Funnel, Funnel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God. Somebody say, served God. Oh, I want to serve God. Well, here's two ways you can. Fastings and prayers night and day and coming in that instant say that instant prayer quickens you to be at the right place the right time for the right person in that instant she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all spoke of him to all who looked for the redemption of Jerusalem 
she got to see baby Jesus that day. Acts chapter 10, verse 2. Acts chapter 10, verse 2. These were all people of prayer. We're people of prayer, amen? Look at this, talking about Cornelius. It says he was, in verse 2, a devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and what? Prayed to God. How much? Always. Say that with me. Always. He prayed to God always. And guess what? He got the Holy Ghost too. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Night and day. How many times have we seen this now? Through David and through all the scriptures. Night and day. This is uh, 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Night and day. Praying ex exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Praying how much? Exceedingly night and day. Now go back with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. This is... Wednesdays is always our discipleship night. So how many of you know we believe in using the word of God? Amen. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer. Continue earnestly in prayer. Being diligent in all with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So you could pray that for others, but you can pray that for yourself too, that God will be able to manifest through your lips the word that will be able to give people hope and give people peace. And we won't have time to look at it tonight, but write down 1 Chronicles 16, 8 through 11. Uh, 1 Chronicles, in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 16, 8 through 11. And that is one of the awesome prayers of David. And so you need to go uh, read that later on. But going back to Romans uh, chapter 1, I want to try to continue here before it gets too late. It says in verse 11, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Now, the word established, if you're taking notes there in the Greek, means to fix, to make fast, and to strengthen. So once you write that down, to establish means to fix, to set, to make fast, and to strengthen. So that way you can say, you know, Lord, teach me how to pray. Well, I'm teaching you through my word. Lord, give me a word to strengthen my brothers and my sisters. Give me a word that is able to make them set fast. As Brother Floyd was, is getting ready, he was getting ready to go for that operation. Lord, I just don't want to pray, but give me a word from the Holy Spirit to give him a word to make him strong and steadfast as he gets ready to go through this, knowing he will come out well and he will come out alive. And someone came to me a while back and said to pray for them. They, were, hey, they had a fear of going underneath anesthesia. And so we were able to pray for them. And the Spirit of the Lord give you a word just to encourage them. And, and, and you're praying with somebody in the foyer. Greeters, 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 greeters. Messengers of God. Uh, uh, the, the, the encouragers of the church. When they come into the church, you ought to pray this. Lord, help me to establish, to fix, to set, to make fast, to strengthen. Those coming in this morning, give me a special sign and, 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 and an unction of the Holy Spirit to better share a word with them or someone I see in the auditorium for the first time or someone sitting on the next, next to me. And then verse 12 uses the word comfort. And that word comfort in the uh, Greek means to strengthen and to console together. 
to strengthen, to console together. It's what we must do when we come together and, and encourage one another. And we won't have time to go to it, but just write this down. Colossians 2.7. Colossians chapter 2.7. They both say that more or less the same thing. Colossians 2.7. 2 Thessalonians 2.17 speaks about being rooted and grounded. Say that with me. Rooted and grounded. And see, the, going back to what I was speaking about, how uh, to be, be able to be a message poured out, I've got to be rooted and grounded so that I'm not always the one needing encouragement, but I'm rooted and grounded to where I can be the encourager. I used to be the one that you'd give the napkin to to cry on, but now I'm the one who's giving you the napkin and I'm praying over you while you're crying and, and, and we don't have to cry on each, each other's so, shoulder, but God is strengthening and rooting me so that now I can get, help you strengthen, it, your, strengthen your roots so that you be rooted and grounded and we all can become able-bodied ministers in the body. Amen. So Paul's sharing his heart here. And now I want you to see uh, the scripture I really wanted to get to tonight. Um, in verse 13 he says, Now I do not want... You to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you, just as among other Gentiles. Verse 14. Now, here we go, and we'll finish with this tonight. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and the, barbarian, the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in, is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Now, I want to share some things with you tonight that I believe is, is the harder word of grace. And I believe an area of our heart that we need to grow. He is saying, I am under obligation, both to the Greeks and the barbarians. And he's saying, I'm under, I am under obligation because of all the kindness I have received. I'm therefore obligated to give kindness to others. If God had, Paul is saying, if God had mercy on me, I am obligated to have mercy upon all men no matter who they are what their background is and where they came from now listen as we get into this more and more now this is where i wanted to get in tonight there is no disease no sin no filth that i cannot reach out and love that person because i remember the filth that i was in when he found me and i am obligated to love you no matter where you were and what you've done. I am obligation from the Holy Spirit to do my best to help you and strengthen you, encourage you and comfort you and help you get rooted no matter where you've been and no matter what you've come from because I know where Christ has rescued me from. There is no judgment in my heart because I do not want to be judged before my God. And I want you to hear this of him. Because of all that I have received from them and because all of it is my duty to give to them, I am under the obligation, and I love this in the Greek, to all sorts of people. Now, now listen to this. He says, I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians. In, in the Greek language, he's not talking about the race Greeks. He's talking about the Greeks that are the, the influential, the well-educated, and the rich. But then he's talking about the barbarians which the word barbarians comes from the word which they used to mock the uh, simple, ignorant people by going, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Maybe you've heard people tease certain people that way by, by, by you know, you, you stupid, you know, and stuff like that. Well, that's what that word barbarians means. You, 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 you stupid. 
And Paul is saying, I am just as obligated to pour out everything that God has put within me. Not only to the high fluential, the ones who smell good, the ones who look good, the one who has their life and act together. I put no less effort in reaching the most ignorant, hurt, downcast, untaught, sinning, hurting person. As well as those who seem to have their act together. I am obligated by the call from Jesus Christ to help the ones that everybody wants to reach and just as much compassion and love and effort help the ones that nobody wants to have nothing to do with. That's what Paul is saying right there. We were eating at a restaurant with the family the other day and is that Texas restaurant and uh, they had a I was sitting there and they had this huge picture of this Indian American native and in his face I told my wife the tears were just coming in my eyes and I'm thinking here I'm in a restaurant Jesus help me but I said honey look at that picture you can see his pain and his anger in his eyes and some people might think you know that is just an awesome western picture but to me it was like those are a people who are so hurting and so neglected and you'll be hearing from brother mike and we got ken goods already started we were we're, we're supposed to be having a missionary come in november another one who's working with the navajos and we want to get ken goods and clothes together and then maybe even this summer there's a possibility of a missions trip or two for people who will go to new mexico minister to people who are out in the middle of nowhere and you know African-Americans, thank God, you know, they've been able to speak out and they've been able to get their rights and they were able, you know, equal rights and women have equal rights and now gays are fighting for equal rights. But, you know, you never hear about the uh, American Indians on Washington or on the mall. You never hear of them on TV being interviewed by Glenn Beck or some of these others saying, we are just American as anyone else. You never hear them even speaking up for themselves. And Paul is saying, I am called to the lawyers and the doctors, but I'll treat the little Indian who lives in a hut that doesn't even own a pair of shoes and doesn't know where his next meal is. I'll preach just as long and just as compassionate to him as I would to a doctor who lives in that fancy neighborhood with the gated community. I'll sit at his table and thank God for every morsel of food even though it's just maybe a tortilla and a little bit of beans, as I would as a doctor who's given me a ribeye. I'll spend the night at that one's house not judging the living conditions any more than I judge the other. I am obligated by the Holy Spirit to love the worst and the neediest as much as those who have it all together. That's what Paul is saying there. He said, I am called to help even those that no one else wants to help. I am obligated by God to help them. They used to have this quote that said, the barbarians must stumble on the truth, but it takes a Greek to understand. And they were always putting down the barbarians. Missionaries would go, and they would go to those countries, and they would go, uh, especially from well-high countries, and they would, missionaries would go and start preaching to the natives in those countries and say, you'll never be able to learn. Y'all are so ignorant. You'll just never be able to learn. You can't do it. 
And even Cindy and I, even with the, uh, in the 80s and 90s that we were on the mission field, so many times missionaries from America and other countries would go in there and go, you know, y'all are ignorant. Y'all can't do it. You know, you'll never be able to do it. And so many times you see missionaries asking for Americans to come help because they, they, they thought, why spend a lot of time training the natives? Some of the greatest ministers today that are never known are out in those jungles and in those rivers and in those mountains preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with nothing and nobody to encourage them. And when we get to heaven, it's, it's going to be those who will be in line first, the least shall be first, who are preaching the gospel, making $10, $15 a month, have no vehicle, they're walking, they have part of the Bible, part of the Bible's ripped out, they don't have translations like we do, and they go and they keep preaching week after week, week after week, stoned, beaten, their family threatened. And they get on their knees and they pray for those who just beat them. Paul is saying, I am indebted to preach to them. I'm under obligation to be friends with the wise and the simple, the culture and the uncultured, the educated and the uneducated. I have the same message for the world and I have the same ambition to reach all classes of people. Is that powerful? Listen to this. Brother Marvin told me about this, and he got it printed out for me. His name is Bill, and this is where this church is going. And you, you've seen the, the facelift this church has had, and you've seen the changes we've made in the Word of Grace over the period of time. And you see people now, short pants and flip-flops and, and uh, just different looks. And, you know, you, you know what, what's happening to our church? Listen, his name is Bill. He has wild hair. Wears a T-shirt with holes in it. Jeans and no shoes. He's a college student. One day, Bill decides to go to church, and he walks in with no shoes, jeans, his T-shirt, and wild hair. The service has already started, so Bill starts down the aisle looking for a seat. The people, the, the place is completely packed, and he can't find a seat. By now, people are looking a bit uncomfortable, but no one says anything. Bill gets closer and closer to the pulpit, and when he realizes there's no seats, he just squats down right of the carpet. About this time, the minister realizes from the way, uh, from way at the back of the church, a deacon is slowly making his way towards Bill. Now the deacon is in his 80s. He has silver gray hair, a three-piece suit, a pocket watch. A godly man, very elegant, very dignified, very courteous. He walks with a cane, and as he starts walking towards this boy, everyone is saying to themselves, you know, you can't blame him for what he's about to do. How can you expect a man of his age and his background to understand some college kid on the floor? It takes a long time for the man to reach the boy. The church is utterly silent, expecting for the clicking of the man's cane. His eyes are focused on him. You can't even hear anyone breathing. The people are thinking. The minister can't even preach a sermon until the deacon does what he has to do. And now they see this elderly man drop his cane on the floor. And with great difficulty, he lowers himself and sits next to Bill and worships with him so he won't be alone. Everyone chokes up with emotion. When the minister gains control, he says, what I'm about to preach, you'll never remember. But what you just saw him do, you'll always remember. And you know, 
church has been guilty from the beginning of time. James warned, don't save the front seats for those who look the best and have the best money. Treat all men equally. Let all men feel accepted as they walk through the door, no matter how wild their hair is or how holy their jeans are. In fact, I'll tell you the truth. The more holes you have in your jeans, it shows the more holy your heart is. You didn't know that? I wear jeans with holes in them, and I've been teased about it, but I got a revelation about holy jeans. But it's wonderful what God has been doing in this church, and when I read this in the Greek, I got even more excited. Because we got past the looks and looking at the person and saying, praise God, somebody else is coming in church. Someone's coming seeking, and Jesus is here to save and to seek that which was lost. And Paul has said, I am indebted and obligated to help all people, no matter what their background's been, a deep seat of obligation like an outstanding debt. How many of you make payments every month? Well, you, you know what that means. Every month, you got to make those payments so you'll lose your car or something like, or your house or something like that. Paul is saying, I am debted every day because I am saved every day. Therefore, I am debted to people no matter what class they're of every day. The payment is made. My payment to Jesus is made by me proclaiming his gospel. My payment to my debt to Jesus is by loving people that nobody else would want to love. That means I'm, I'm to love foreigners, barbarians. I'm ready to speak to anyone regardless of who they are. It's not Paul's business to decide who is ready to hear the message. It's only my business to give the message from people with all walks of life. The word debtor means to owe. It means obligated. And it means bound by duty. Bound by duty. Because Christ did it for me. Amen? We're, we're called of God for, to give us a heart for all people. And that, uh, that word debtor also means to have an intense, write this down, the word debt means to have an intense, unwavering, unrelentless, powerful sense of debt. Give us that Holy Spirit. An intense, an intense. Why do we have to build these children's ministry? Why, why do we have to build a big kitchen to be able to feed the poor? Why do we want to have room for all the children and teenagers? You know, they're making noise. The neighbors are calling five times a service because of all the noise they're making. We're, we're, we're this and that. They dirty the parking lot. And, and they do dirty the parking lot. And all this other stuff. But it's like when the next day we're going around picking up the trash. And I'm telling Cody and others to pick up the trash. And I'm thanking God. Thank God for every kid that came to dirty the parking lot. Because they came to church. An intense, unwavering, unrelentless, nothing's going to stop us. Powerful sense of debt. In other words, Paul says, I owe the world the gospel. I owe the hospitals. I owe the nursing homes. I owe the VA. I owe my neighbors. I owe my friends. I owe the people I work with. I owe the people at church. I owe the foreign missions. I owe the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am in debt. 
to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And verse 15 says, so as much as is in me, as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you. That word mean, there's an urgent willingness, as much as is in me, an urgent willingness. And this is what Paul is saying. I started off in Matthew. He's saying in the Greek, I am an offering to be poured out into all people. I am an offering to be poured out into all people. And it gives these words in the Greek. All my energy, all my effort, nothing's keeping me back from reaching out to all classes and types and races of men and women. All my effort, all my energy is to share and teach for the glory of Jesus Christ. Just to give you these scriptures, and I've already passed my time, but 1 Corinthians 9, 16, For though I preach... For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Pa! I have nothing to glory in. It is of necessity. To go into the world, to go into the highways and the byways, it's of necessity. And woe is me if I do not pour myself out with everything that I have, with not keeping nothing back. Matthew 10, 7, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 10, 27, when I, what I tell you in darkness, you speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach upon the housetops. Matthew 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke 9, 60, Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. John 9, 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Acts 4, 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Acts 5, 20, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says, for his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. Mm. And Amos 3, 1 says, the lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord hath spoken. Who can but prophesy? I am a debtor. I am ready. And I'm poured out. And then next week we'll start with, well, no, we've got a special guest speaking next week, but the following week we'll get into the part where Paul then stands up and says, I'm a debtor. I'm poured out. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. Is this good news? Wow. Wow. Man. Thank God for the freedom to worship God in spirit and in truth. Would you please stand? Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, make us witnesses. Make us witnesses. Thank you, Father, that we owe the world the message of our master and our Messiah. We owe the world through mission projects and feeding programs and through internet and through letters and through going and by ministering here in our town, in our region and around the world, we are in debt and we owe the world and everyone we come in contact with the glorious message of Jesus Christ. Thank you for raising up an anointed body of believers 
unified with the mission to put our effort and be relentless in pouring ourselves out and not holding back for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, I thank you that there will not be anyone in this body that will go to heaven and say, do you know I never got to win no one to Jesus? Lord, I thank you that every one of us will be able to say, we have been fishers of men. Even as we have received, we give. And though we may not know nothing, we are without excuse. Because, Lord, you gave us the example of that man who had 5,000 demons. And he was sitting in his right mind. And he wanted to follow you, but you said, no. I want you to go back to the ten cities that knew you as a possessed man of the devil. And just tell him your testimony that you're now possessed by the Messiah. And because of that man, when you went back the second time, you weren't chased off. You were received and revival hit that area. Lord, I ask you to use us with our testimonies to share about your love and your goodness and share about your son. You love to hear us talk about your son. You love us to brag about Jesus as the resurrection and the life and the price he paid upon Calvary. Oh, Father, use us to preach this gospel and let us all realize that we are all debtors to all classes of men. And Lord, you gave us the word at the dedication of this building that you're going to be sending us all class of children. And you said, I'm even going to be sending you my special children that no one else wants. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us an awesome family. I thank you that you continue to build this awesome family. That everyone can come and feel comfortable and feel a part not feel rejected or judged by outward appearance or even their past. But you are the God that blots out all of our past and anoints us with fresh oil for our future. We give you glory and we give you praise for such a greatest salvation. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can we give the Lord a hand? Can we just praise him? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, listen, we love you. We bless you. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray with you. If not, Sunday morning, make sure you're here. We're going to have a good time. Bring somebody with you. Come on, invite your friends and neighbors and bring them here. We love you. God bless you. See you Sunday. Amen.